Well, that's why, Jen, there's two reasons you don't drink from the toilet. Number one and number two. Gross! <laughs> Still getting these off my toilet paper roll. <laughs> Sound like a crappy joke, Jeffy. You stupid. So much energy. Put in your booby rocks. Live your best life. Keep doing you. And kicking something. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So stay tuned after this episode because it'll be the first episode release of So Much Jeff and Iran. Jeff and Iran. <laughs> so much God, Jeff and Iran. The, the beginning <laughs> crack me up with Ronnie Jones. Okay. So I listened to the episode and I do have to say I could not stop laughing at the fact that dad was uh, so serious. Jen, he was, he was ridiculously serious. As he soon was, as we sat down, yeah. you thought I was interviewing him from like the CIA. Yeah. It sounded like, like he, he was, was trying to be on the ticket. <laughs> he was professional and he was very serious and it threw off my energy for about the first 15 minutes before I had yeah. to adapt to him. And I, it's only because, he slowly came out of his right. shell, whatever he was in. He slowly came out of that, started acting like he does. Yeah. But no, it was yeah. too much. Me. Love yes. hanging out with that guy. Gosh, bless. <laughs> and I even told him after, cause I called to see how it went. He was like, Oh yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know how many people were listening. Like, it's not a live broadcast. You know, I told him when I pitched it to him, and then I told him about four times that morning that this is not live. It's just you and me sitting at my desk. My computer is over here off to the side recording, and we're just hanging out talking. That's it. And then he kept it. He would lean into me and be like, oh, hey, you want me to talk about this? (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, you can talk about whatever you want. It's just you and I. Oh, well, right. I don't know if you want me to say that on the, uh, with people listening. Dad, no one's listening. What are you talking about? Yeah. There's nobody here but you and I. And then I'm going right. to edit this. And then up then people will hear it. I yeah. go, but I trust me, I'll take out. <laughs> and then to be honest, Jen, I didn't. I left a lot of those in because they crack me up when he leans over and he's like, oh, and he's like oh. uh, you want me to talk about cornhole? <laughs> if you want to talk about cornhole, talk about cornhole, man. Oh, I was doing the dishes, listening to it. I could not stop <laughs> cracking up. Then I'm laughing even harder because I'm just laughing in the kitchen by myself. Oh, now, man. honestly, like towards the end, you guys talk about a T-shirt. Yes. And oh, yeah, Jen. Here, like, let me ask you this real quick. Jen. Okay. Uh, okay. I gave dad a so much Jeff and Iran shirt that day. <laughs> I had one on. I made him put his on. And uh, if you stay tuned, there's ways that you can get a free Jeff and Iran shirt. 
Yeah. But let me ask you this, Jen, describe this shirt. I'm going to stand up. Describe okay. this shirt for me. Yeah. Okay. It is, it says so much Jeff and Iran. It's got a spaceship with the beam coming down with Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it in there with a movie camera. Oh, that's right, Jen. That's right. It's funny how two people see the same shirt and you get a totally different description because on the episode I asked dad to describe it and he didn't recognize the movie camera. So I'll get yeah. to listen again, find out what he called it. Yeah. Stay tuned because you'll want to listen to what that guy's talk about in life. He was so excited. And oh, then Jen, now just the thought of, you know, trying to give him other movies. Like I know he gives his movie genre away on there. Oh, and- yeah. Yeah, Jen. I asked him, uh, hey, dad, you know, in future episodes at the end of the episode, I go, future episodes. Well, what kind of movies are you thinking about doing? You know, and he's like, ah, and I go, well, who do you like to see in movies? Jen, uh, if I gave you five guesses, you'd guess which five he, he said he likes to see in <laughs> movies, Jen. Uh, Stallone, yes. Schwarzenegger, Jackie Van Chan, Dam. Van Damme, Russell Crowe, Chuck Norris, Mel Gibson. It's like, oh, Jason. He calls oh, yeah. Him, what? what is it? He calls him Stratham, 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 Stratham. Anyways, the transporter. <laughs> yeah. So, but with this, Jen, with so much Jeff and Iran, we cover. Uh, history's a, brief, a light discussion, Jen. Trust me, light discussion yes. about history's mysteries and movies. Okay. And each episode is going to be about a different one. But each episode, Dad, I'm going to have him talk about a synopsis of the most recent movie he's watched. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't fail, Jen. He does. He did not let me down in this episode at all. Yeah. He was excited. I think even talking about it. I think he's excited to come back and do more episodes. He's called me every day since we recorded the episode to ask me how many people were listening. Yeah. And I've tried to tell him. <laughs> No one's listening because we haven't released it yet. Jen, it will be following this episode, but just hanging out with that guy and talking to him. Yeah, it's it's spot on. Maybe not this exact episode, but it's a lot like hanging out in his garage when he's working on cornhole and I'm just drinking coffee. Right. And that's when he's like, "Uh, hey, uh, where do you think the first trailers came from? And then he starts. I don't let me Google this, dad. So I look up the history of trailers or like, hey, uh. You think if there's aliens, blah, 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 and it's like, all right, you know, and it seems like we talk about a lot of things that are histories, mysteries, movies. Yeah. And so that's what gave us the idea for this episode or gave me the idea pitched to him. He's on board. I'm pretty sure he was surprised. We were only doing one a month, Jen, one episode a month. I think okay. he wants to do two, maybe eight <laughs> the amount that he's calling me. I know I did. <laughs> I was talking to him the other day and I kept thinking, He's he wants to retire in April, right? Because he's gonna be 70. And right. my thought was he's just gonna quit to do podcasting. Or just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could see him sitting in the basement and mom asking yeah. him to do something and him being like, I can't, uh, I'm doing research for the podcast. Yeah. And watch her be like, No, you're not, you're watching Gladiator. What are you talking about? Yeah, uh, uh, just gonna want to talk about this problem. Like, you know, he's gonna use that as a reason to watch more movies. But do more research. Right. But yeah, for a guy who retired uh, in the year 2000 from GM and then has worked at another job for 22 years already, he probably (laughs) should retire. Good times. Well, let's talk about our new experience that we're going to be able to offer 
our listeners. Oh, are you talking about where people can hear other episodes and future episodes of Jeff and Iran? Yeah. Just how Jeff can, and Iran. How are they going to get Jeff and Iran after this initial episode? Right. Let's hear it. That's it's a good question. Well, we are offering a, an additional experience called the So Much Energy membership. <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be an initial investment of $35 for the year. So one time, $35. Yes. Okay. You will get for the first five members that sign up, you will get a free t-shirt. Nice. Free t-shirt to first five. Heck yeah. Two free tickets to a so much energy live event. All right. Heck yeah. One time, 20% off merch discount code. Monthly Zoom game night. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a monthly game night with me, Jenny McKinney, Jeff Jones, and we're going to have special guests. I'm sure Ronnie. Oh, you know, he'd want to be there. He'd want to be in there. And we're going to have some other special guests. Okay. Should we, are you, are you talking at all about what some of the Zoom games will be or no? Are we talking about that? Oh, well, I mean, we can share our, like, what I think we should is. talk about bingo. Okay. You talk about it. Cause I know you're super jazzed. I am it. super jazzed, Jen. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people in our family had bought the bingo cage balls and yeah, probably, I don't know, a year, year and a half now, a couple of times we've played bingo over zoom as a family. Yeah. And I think it'd be fun to have a lot of members or have members that can participate join. I think we should mail out bingo cards. Uh, that's one of the games we were talking. So doing Zoom bingo. Okay. I'd also like try to incorporate horse racing if we can maybe just. Yes. Oh, God. If you email could see random Jones email random numbers to yeah. the members and then we'll do horse racing over Zoom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen to dad horse race. It is too oh much. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Super excited. All right. And to continue on to so much energy membership benefits. You get an all access pass to Jeff and Iran podcast. <laughs> so it may be one a month. It might be 22. Whatever it is, you get access. To it's it. minimal going to be one a month. Minimally. <laughs> yeah. Dad would probably want to get it up to two if or more if he could. But I got to right. see what kind of time slots I got. <laughs> yeah. Then we're going to have surprises throughout the year for our members. And then and then we're going to have members only bonus material. So that means we might have fun little stories or something else, extra bonus stuff that's going to be put into that platform. I do know this, Jen, that there's another show that I am also working on. Yeah. Separate from so much Jeff and Iran that at some point, a few of the episodes will be tested or at least released through the member section so I can get some feedback. Okay. Awesome. I love it. And... We have a new announcement for two fun new things that we're adding to the So Much Energy experience. Let's okay. Yeah. So we are offering a So Much Energy sponsor. With being a sponsor, it's a $50 one-time fee for four episodes. You're going to get to advertise your business, your class, an announcement that you would like to make. I mean, it could be, you know, happy birthday, Shannon from G-Dub. Nice. 
You know what I mean? Nice. Jen, could it be like, hey, we're having a garage sale at 34 Wincott Lane? Yeah. Oh, all right. Heck I, yeah. I mean, I guess if you want people coming to your house and put your address out into the internet space. <laughs> so whatever whatever message they want for, yeah. for four episodes. They want for four episodes. That's going to be on the So Much Genergy podcast. Nice. Okay. And then they get all the membership benefits and a free t-shirt because you're a sponsor oh nice yes heck yeah and then we have a so much <laughs> energy sponsor plus 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 <laughs> yes with this sponsorship this is a one-time hundred dollar investment and it's going to be a six month advertisement or announcement that you would like to make and it's going to be on 12 episodes, so it'll be bi-weekly, 12 episodes of So Much Energy, and Jeff Jones has said it could be on six of the So Much Jeff and Ron podcast. Yep, so you're that's gonna get one episode 18, a month minimum on yes, Jeff and Ron. Yes, 18 announcements nice. for whatever you would like to make. Now, is that for more of a business, you think, for the six-month period? Yeah, I would think so. Or maybe, you know, if you have like an event coming up, maybe in six months, like a conference or right. a or retreat. If, or if G-Dub just really wanted to remind Shannon a happy birthday. I mean, for six, for six months, months, it could be her birthday. Yes. Nice. And in addition to the yearly membership. Oh, so okay, they get so all the benefits of a regular membership as well. Yes. If you do sponsor our show, that allows us to continue to create content. And to take our show on the road, do live events, do fun things throughout the year, and just keep increasing our uh, awareness and yeah. sharing laughter. Yep. One thing we wanted to do this year, Jen, you and I talked about in the beginning of the year was trying to advertise more for the podcast. Yes. And so we kind of come up with this whole membership thing as a way to drum up more funds so that we can get the word out about the podcast so we can right. advertise it on other platforms and on other podcasts and try to bring in more listeners yes. to the so much energy podcast. Yes. Yes. And because now with that, then we can do fun things throughout the year. Like I know Jeff Jones is dying for a game night. <laughs> I am. <laughs> with our people, with I our am. little so much energy tribe. Nice. Genergizers, so much genergizers. Genergizers, <laughs> little genergies. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To get to these options of the membership, the sponsorship, or the sponsor plus, go to so much com, and you will see a tab on there that says member and sponsor. And then, because we're going to talk about language patterns next week, go to the free tab where you can download the learning style assessment and the more information sheet to give you more information on your learning style. So if you'd like to take the assessment before we talk about it, get that now, and then you'll learn more on the podcast next week. <laughs> All right. So here it is. Stick around. Right. Don't go anywhere. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a good time. <laughs> Get your popcorn. It's time for Jeff and a rock. Ladies and gentlemen.
send you the following message from WJEN. The only place this message can be brought to you by. Discussing histories, mysteries, and movies. That's right. History, mysteries, and movies. Let me know if that true patrons have brought us We've only scratched the surface of it. I mean, there's so much out there to learn. People are learning new stuff all the time about it. So much Jeff and Ron. Uh, it combines both our names. Dad, can I call you Ron? Yeah. Welcome to the first episode of So Much Jeff and Ron. Brought to you by So Much Energy Patreon. So Much Jeff and Ron. Dad, can I call you Ron? We've known each other long enough. You think I can call you that? Yeah. All right. What do you think of the name? So much Jeff and around. So much Jeff and around. I think it goes pretty good. Uh, it combines both our names. Yep. So much Jeff and around. Brought to you by So Much Energy Dad. Today we're going to be talking about things, history, mysteries, and movies. Small light discussions about history, mysteries, and movies. Any of those you're excited to talk about? Probably the movie. Yeah. But first, Dad, let's start with history. Today we're going to discuss things, history. Dad, when I talk to you about the history or history events or the history of an object, what well, what did you suggest? Uh, history of horseshoes. The horseshoes, as in horseshoe tossing, the game? Yes. All right, Dad, so I had looked up the history, got a little bit of facts and history about the horseshoe pitching, horseshoe tossing. Do you play a lot of horseshoes, Dad? Yeah, I used to. I don't anymore. Um, where I move now, there ain't no really no setup for them. When I was younger and I lived at home, I uh, always pitched because you can pitch horseshoes when you're old or young. It's like fishing or bowling. Right. Is that the 60s? 60s? Yes. And yep. and 70s. 60s and 70s. Nice. Nice. Uh, horseshoe pitching can date back to actually the Olympian Games from what I had found. It goes back to the discus event of the Olympian Games. And uh, what they would do is they would chuck the discus. You familiar with the discus? Yes. It's about 10, 12 inches, usually a stone or a metal plate. So what they would do in the in the camps back then, the uh, the peasants and whatnot in the village started making their own rings. Uh, they were eight-inch round rings called coits. And it was an eight-inch round ring and it was a coit, and they would throw it at a stake that was about two inches above the ground. And that became a game of coits. Now, that that's back in the Olympian times. The stake grew over the years and got to eventually four inches. Then they made it six inches and eventually around 19, early 1900s, it became what we now know as the, what, 14 inch, 14 inches above the ground. Yeah, and, and probably like maybe a one and a half inch pipe. Yeah, it's about, yeah, it's a one inch round stake and it's about 14 inches, but they did a, it's at 19 yards. The stakes were apart, center to center, 19 yards. Yeah, that's legal. Yeah. Yep. Is that about 40 feet? It's yeah, pretty that's close to 40 feet. Yeah, that's the remember uh, when you throw in like a, a a league, that's what they usually have. And and they also got the pits. They're like two foot by four foot and they're lined in four by fours with sand in the middle. Yep. And there's a lot of history about the horseshoes that goes back to the Revolutionary War. Uh, they would play it in the camps there. Uh, it was actually said that by the England's Duke of Wellington that the war was won by pitchers of horseshoe hardware because all the soldiers in the camps played it. Then eventually when they went back home and they brought that game back home with them and it, the same thing had happened over a number of wars, all the way World War One, same thing that made another big boom, brought it back and that's what really made it take off here in the, in the US, the soldiers bringing it back from overseas and really sprouting it out here in the country. 
and eventually horseshoe leagues, tournaments, and then eventually it became early uh, 1911, 1912 or so, it became uh, the first horseshoe association, decided to regulate it, come up with tournaments and come up with rules and regulations for it. And that started and that pretty much just moved, moved it into a professional, making it a sport or a great pastime because now they actually had established rules directions how to play so everybody across country is playing the exact same way but it all stemmed from a game of coins right uh, how did it uh, come about where they got the object of the horseshoe itself well it started with the uh, the metal ring the coit the eight inch round ring and then eventually they found that over time they could use old horseshoes that came off of horses that they were no longer usable on the horses themselves and they realized with that you could uh with the open end and it shaped like a u like that that they could toss it in a way that it would occasionally land on it, or you could even land short of it and still slide it on. Whereas opposed to coits, you had to get out straight over top. It was a full ring. Now it brought on a game of skill and a game of whether or not you could ring it, lean it. And again, even with that, when they started out in the early 1900s, a ringer was worth five points. Leaner was three. Regular close within distance was one point and the distance was eight inches that's what the width of the horseshoe was and i believe it still is to this day eight inches mm-hmm. yep but that's where the uh, the opening in the horseshoe came from so that's about what i could find that's the history of horseshoes now along with that i also started looking up the history of cornhole dad you familiar with cornhole yes i am are you still currently making cornhole boards dad <laughs> yeah I, I like it it's real fun it gives me something to do while i'm sitting around the house you may tell them you talk about whatever you want all right and uh, the boards itself they're they're two foot wide four foot long and with a six inch hole and then you your bean bags are uh six by six and they come in all different colors and they weigh like maybe a half pound and you put them in uh i don't know about 27 feet that's that's regulation yep I'd looked up the uh, the history of cornhole to see kind of, because I assume that kind of came from the same history or just as horseshoes. So leading into that, I started finding up things about cornhole, found different names for cornhole. People call it cornhole, bag toss, beanbag toss, bags, beanbag game, bags game, tailgate toss, soft horseshoes, chucko, doghouse, hillbilly toss. It really depends on where you're at in the country, but the gist of it is cornhole, beanbags. A lot of that dates back to like the, uh, they had a game called Parlor Coits, which actually came from Coits, which was a different type of game than the one we just talked about with horseshoes. In this game of Coits, what they used to do was dig a hole and they threw stones into a hole in the ground. Then eventually, gentlemen decided to save the soldiers trouble and save kids trouble of digging holes in the ground. And he took a cabinet, flipped it upside down, and then found out that the kids were getting injured with the stones that they were tossing. So they ended up making them little bags filled with sand and they would throw a little little sandbags into cabinets that dated back to 1300s 1386 the gentleman was doing that now if you fast forward to about 1883 first patent for a game called parlor coits was was made and it was uh in 1883 by Heigler de Wint he applied for a patent called parlor coits with this game which was the earliest version of a cornhole board there was a square hole instead of a round hole in the board the game was first to be recorded where bags of corn were actually thrown onto the wooden board with a square hole in it. Yep, that was parlor coits. Now then the sport became over in Chicago. They started calling it bags and bago. In the early 60s, it really sprung out in southern Ohio in the 60s, and that's what took it from there, Cincinnati up through Ohio up north, and then a little bit south there, and it really just took off 
across the country is a favorite pastime of people just making boards, putting a hole in them, chucking bags of corn at it, corn, bags of sand, anything of that nature. And that just became a tailgate type of backyard party game. Yeah, now they got the World Leagues on uh, TV. You can win thousands of dollars. Just uh, You can be the cornhole champion of the world. They got different uh, prize money, and you can uh, you know, go to a certain one place and practice. And then you can go into a tournament where you can be like, they do elimination bouts where you, you got to compete uh, for a position uh, like the top 10. And then they go uh, a league where you can, uh, you know, try to get the top four, then the top two. And then, and then they give you a plaque and, you know, like that, you know, prize, prize money and a plaque. It's uh, come a long way since they first started. Right. Yep. I like that it's taken off though, and it's become a backyard game. You and I grew up, or at least I've grown up, I'm sure you two playing horseshoes and whatnot. We grew up actually playing a lot of backyard games. We play a lot of backyard games, I think. Yeah, you got croquet and we got volleyball, we got lawn bocce and ladder ball. It's and as the new games come out, we usually try to try to try them as much as we can. Uh, you know, to see how uh you know, just pick gives up. you something to do on a cookout, at least when you're cooking out. I mean, we grew, used to throw the Frisbee. Yeah, a little bit of croquet. And- you know what I actually heard this year is that they're going to stop making croquet sets because they're just not selling anymore because people aren't playing croquet anymore. That well, They're going to stop selling croquet sets. They're kind of dangerous around kids. You know, people swinging the, the mallet itself. Yeah, and- but you're not supposed to be hitting the ball that hard. Look at how we play. We, I mean, we drive each other. How far would you say when you drive somebody in croquet? Their yeah, ball I'm, I'm talking about when you swing the uh the mallet back and if somebody's back there you can hit them yeah but look at they've they, people have been playing games like similar to croquet polo look at polo yeah i know look at horse polo yeah you think you know <laughs> yeah, i think people were getting injured back then playing those games especially yeah or what's that one where you go with the stick with the horse uh you know they got the long is it polo are you thinking polo no it's the real long stick and they jab you and, and knock you off the horse Joust? Yeah. Oh, jousting? <laughs> yeah, back then people used to, uh, they used to die on that game. You know, getting stabbed with them, all that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think I'd recommend that. <laughs> jousting? No, probably for the same reason they outlawed jarts. That people was, getting poked and jabbed with them and whatnot. That was during, uh, uh, the, you know, when the knights were playing, you know, with the horses and you try to knock each other off the horse, but uh, a bit sometimes it wouldn't work that way anything else about the uh, history of horseshoes cornhole anything else you want to talk about cornhole history or whole, no, i think or we covered cornhole horseshoes. i think we covered no, the basics all right again these are just light discussions and things and whatnot just you and i talking basically discussing what we know and a little bit of knowledge that we have or can find about things but we encourage people to look up more if interested in any of the topics For the mystery of this episode, let's talk, we're going to talk about the Mothman. We've just gone to West Virginia this past summer. That sounds good. Talk about Mothman. What do you think about Mothman? Do you believe in the Mothman? After visiting West Virginia, learning more about the Mothman than what you had known previous, do you believe in the Mothman? Well, it's like hundreds of people say they've seen it, but nobody's really got up. They really ain't got the whole, the proof like you need to put it inside, you know, so the scientists can, you know, examine it and... People, I don't know if they even got pictures of it. There's I, I'm, ta- I'm had- talking about official pictures. Right. I'm, I mean, people said they seen it on side of the road with the red eyes. But I mean, you know, uh, until somebody has come along with, you know, real proof, I don't know if it exists or not. I mean, it's just like Bigfoot. I mean, if all these people see Bigfoot, but nobody's really 
actually shot one or even took a picture so they can bring it in and examine it. And I mean, somebody has got to, it's been around a thousand years or something, and somebody has got to go into the woods and act, because I know people carry guns all the time right. and cameras, right? and they got these trail cams, but nobody has actually come forward and actually shot one and then put it in the back of a truck and took it to some lab and examined it. And nobody has you know, done there's that. no physical proof besides right. a few footprints, maybe some hair. Yeah. And hmm. and they got people with footprints with long boards and they go along and, and put them in the dirt and they take plaster uh, footprints of them. But I mean, you really, know, the you, thing with the Mothman, though, the proof is that there has been hundreds. There was people over 100 people at the Silver Lake Bridge that had seen it like a hundred people in one area that had seen what they believe is the Mothman. And, and how many, how could, I mean, I mean, these are people that are still alive today that still today claim to have seen the Mothman. I mean, that was in 1966, 1967. Yeah. That's when all, most all the, uh, all the sightings were about. Right. Here's what I could find a little bit on. If I looked it up on Wikipedia, dead Mothman, it says, uh, in West Virginia folklore, the Mothman is a humanoid creature reportedly seen in the Point Pleasant, West Virginia area, November 15, 1966 to December 15, 1967. The first newspaper report was published in the Point Pleasant Register dated November 16, 1966, titled, Couple C, Man-Sized Bird, Creature, Something. The national press soon picked up on the reports and helped spread the story across the United States. The Mothman was introduced to a wider audience by Gray Barker in 1970 and was later and was later popularized by John Keel in his 1975 book, The Mothman Prophecies, claiming that there was a supernatural events related to the sightings and a connection to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. The book was later adapted into the film with starring Richard Gere. Dad, have you seen that film? Yes, I have. What'd you think of that? You gotta really take it all. Um... I mean, he covered a lot of stuff, and you almost got to take it with a, a, a grain of salt. You know what I mean? The thing with John Keel, and that's who the Mothman, who wrote the Mothman Prophecy book, is he he attributed a lot of that to aliens, a lot of it to the men in black. He was actually on the other side of West Virginia at the time investigating aliens and alien sightings on the other side of West Virginia when the Mothman sightings first started occurring. The first incident came on record that showed up again was in 1966 two young couples from the Point Pleasant area uh, Roger and Linda Scarberry Steve and Mar Mary Marlette told police they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when the car's headlights picked them up they described it as a large flying man with 10-foot wings following their car while they were driving in and around the area known as the TNT area it's the site of the former World War II munitions plant dead members going to that we saw that when we were there yeah, it's it's uh, a, a big a big building, uh, and that he would fly and sit on top of it and look down at people, and then people would well would see him actually take off and like launch himself all of, off the top of it, and then he would uh, be people would see like a dark shadow, and then on the ground, and all of a sudden he'd be right up on top of the building like he like he just jumped uh, from there all the way to the top, right. In the munitions plants, there were what there, there was over a hundred of these mounds that were giant cement domes. They were probably what twenty five feet across. Yeah, probably, they're called bunkers. Yeah, bunkers, twenty feet tall. These domes. There's over a hundred of them out there. And again, in the early sixties, mid sixties, that's where people would go to hang out. There was a lovers' lane place there. 
a lot of people from town would just go there. Now, at the time, I think there was 4,000 people in this town. Yeah. Somewhere around there in Point Pleasant there. And a lot of people had reported seeing and having encounters with this large bird-like creature. And that's what brought John Keel's attention from across the state over. So he started talking to these people and investigating them. And he found that there was a news reporter, uh, Mary Heyer. Remember hearing about Mary Heyer at the museum when we went there? She was the news reporter that pretty much had her choice and pick of the Mothman stories. Everybody came to her. They'd go to the police and then they'd go right to her. And so John Keel teamed up with her and nobody in town that had events or incidents with the Mothman after that point would deal with any other reporter. I know there was a there was a story I'd read about a lot of reporters coming to town trying to talk about talk to these people and, and interview them for their papers about it. And the only people that they would talk to is Mary Heyer. And I, they said it was said because she actually believed that what these people were seeing was real and she didn't discredit them or write them off as loony or you know weirdos or anything like that and that kind of got the word of the mothman out there and where people started coming forth with all their stories and incidents and events that they happened to them pertaining to the mothman yeah but you talk you talk to over 100 something people somebody's got to have seen something because everybody ain't going to come up with the same story without all them relating to the same thing they uh, witnessed Right. It basically culminated that on December 15th, 1967, uh, you remember hearing about the collapse of the Silver Bridge? Yes. 46 people died. There was over 100 people that had seen the Mothman just prior to that. And the whole bridge was full of cars and they didn't have time to go anywhere. It was at rush hour. Yeah. And it, again, it gave rise to the legend connected to the Mothman sightings to the bridge. John Keel had attributed a lot of his findings to be that he's on the path to something r real because there was men in black that were showing up and in and causing uh, a conspiracy yeah make there was he believed heavily in the men in black and that the men in black were invading into what was actually happening and trying to change people's opinions and turn things around uh so that's what brought a lot of attention to john keel but it's hard to say but the where do you think the mothman got his name mothman from because some people think he, I mean, he looks like a big bat. The Mothman is, he said he's got like a head like a moth and he's got wings, wings like a moth, but he's got his ears stick up like pointed and it heads almost like a bat, but in a way it's like a moth too. Right. This is the description of him. He also became was real similar sounding to, uh, in the Batman comics, there was a villain known as Mothman and the description everybody was kind of giving looked a lot like what was in the comics except this was in real life the thing with these people is that these these are just everyday people that claim to have seen it these are people that are still alive like even when we were there in west virginia visiting and stuff these people a lot of these people still live there and still 100 percent claim that what they had seen is what had happened a lot of people ain't gonna go on record and and get a chance of being ridiculed and you know on what they seen so uh somebody has got to have seen something right it just sucks because i mean yeah we can sit here and discuss it for you know five ten minutes each but there's so much information out there about the mothman and you could go down any road of it there was so much there was alien incidents and sightings and occurrences happening at the time there were men in black sightings and occurrences happening at the time all of this leading up to mothman's sightings for that year year and a half you know and a lot of it Basically, people, you know, chalked him up as a harbinger of doom because wherever he was spotted, there's generally seemed to be bad luck and bad 
juju following it. I mean, I know a lot of the people claim there was a few people that had claimed that when they had seen the Mothman and they were fleeing from the Mothman, they wrecked their car. A few people had perished in car accidents that way. Um, and again, it culminated with the, the sighting of him by over 100 people on the Silver Bridge. And then again, the bridge collapsed that night, killing 46 people 10 days before Christmas, 1967. And on another cryptoid back then was the Chippecabra. And it kind of, it took like a little bit of slack off the Mothman, but people were leaning towards the Mothman more than the other one. Now, there was other cryptoids back then too. Even in West Virginia, there was a cryptoid. There was a Flatwoods monster. I'm not, I'm not that familiar with the Flatwoods monster, and that's something else we could eventually get into. But that was also being sighted just after the Mothman kind of stopped being seen for a while. The Flatwoods monster showed up, which is a totally different looking creature. This was almost half alien looking, half monster looking creature called the Flatwoods Monster. And another one was called uh, uh, the Grassman. Uh, he was, uh, I think he was found in Ohio. I'm, I'm not sure what, what state, but uh, he was like a form of Bigfoot. <clears throat> they called him the Grassman. Was he green? Like, did he look like Bigfoot covered in moss? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm not, have... sure. I'm not familiar with the Grassman. That sounds funny. Yeah, we'd have to, we'd have to get some more information on that. Anything else you want to add about the Mothman, Dad, in closing before we wrap up the Mothman segment here? No, just like the cornhole and horseshoe, I think we covered up. You know, we've only scratched the surface of it. I mean, there's so much so much out there to learn that people are learning new stuff all the time about it. And then it's going to take time, you know, uh, you know, to actually make proof down to the science of it you know to make uh to find out the the real story right all right yep but again if you're interested in the mothman or cryptids of anything and again we'll be discussing different type of mysteries some of it would be mothman related again i think we should get back into mothman again some of it probably bigfoot related Loch Ness, aliens parallel dimensions roswell area 51 anything mystery that's what we're here just to discuss so much jeff and iran everything history mysteries movies short light discussions Moving on, Dad, we talked about doing a short discussion on a movie, any kind of recent movie you had seen recently, and uh, what movie did you suggest there, Dad? We got together, and uh, we uh, decided on Rocky Four. Rocky Four, Dad. We actually started a Rocky-thon where we watched Rocky One through Six, Rocky Balboa, and we watched all six just so that we could watch Four and get the full effect of Four with the movies coming prior to it and after it. I believe we got the full effect of Rocky Four, which I believe is the climax of the Rocky franchise. I believe Rocky One is good. Rocky Two was even better. Rocky Three is great. Rocky Four is epic. I think Rocky Five, it really went downhill. Rocky Six, again, it started coming back up again. It was great, but not Rocky Four. I think Rocky Four is the pinnacle of the Rocky franchise, Dad. Would you agree to that? Yeah, and it went into more detail. Uh, Drago, he was, I don't know, in in a a gym that was more, uh, what do you call? He was more lab. I think he was more of a type of, he was just more soldier. He's more militant. Yeah. He was the Russian. I think they they actually modeled him after the Spetsnaz program over in Russia, which was just creating the, the, the ultimate soldier, the perfect soldier. And they decided to throw their hat into the boxing world. And so they turned one of their soldiers into an athlete. And I believe the Spetsnaz even had to be like a, a trained athlete. You know, Russia decides 
to enter the boxing world and they they start calling out Rocky Balboa get him out of you know put the put the title up and, and fight this guy and who steps up Creed Apollo Creed that's who Rocky fights in Rocky 1 Rocky 2 you know Rocky 3 they become friends Creed trains them you know in Rocky 3 Mickey passes Creed steps in becomes Rocky's trainer trains him against Clubber Lang then in Rocky 4 Creed comes out of retirement accepts an exhibition ba- exhibition match against Ivan Drago, Dolph Lundgren, who's like created as the the perfect ultimate killing machine, the ultimate boxer. Uh, you know, they actually called him a robot because he was perfect in every way. And his punch power, they said for a regular boxer is 1850, and he was up to 2,100 pounds per square inch. Of just uh, punching awesomeness. Yeah. When he was fighting Apollo Creed, Apollo Creed steps in and fights Ivan Drago as an exhibition match. And during that exhibition match, Ivan Drago beats Creed into a pulp. And Creed knows this. And Rocky wants to throw in the towel. And Creed says he can't stop. Don't stop the match no matter what. No matter what. Creed steps back in the ring. A few more blows to the head later. He's, he's done. He perishes. Ivan Drago kills him in the ring. Rocky decides he wants to step in. He's going to challenge him to a match, but he can't get this sanctioned by the Boxing Association, so they take his belt away. They take, they strip Rocky of his belt. And just as a civilian, Rocky goes and agrees to a match against Ivan Drago over in Russia on his stomping grounds. Uh, he was just out of this world. When Rocky was training, uh, he did everything, you know, like back. Well, the roots of training, you know, like running in snow and, uh, you know, carrying logs on his back, cutting wood, lifting boulders, just, you know, running up and down cliffs that, that were full of snow. I mean, he, he just went all out. He went in these high-tech gyms, you know, where uh, everything was uh, air conditioning and it was a real nice gym and stuff. And he was out in the middle of Russia. And like you had said, he trains and he, he he's doing it the the old-fashioned way everything rocky's doing is out in a cold barn and he's lifting rocks and they click over and ivan drago's lifting crazy weights with machines and they got everything hooked to them and they're monitoring every ounce of everything ivan drago is doing and then you click over rocky's running up a mountain and they click back over ivan drago's running on a on a treadmill and the treadmill's at a 45 then a 50 degree angle then 60 and then you click over and rocky's running up the side of a mountain Everything Rocky is doing is is it's more Neanderthal. It's more raw. And and they got Drago running uh, a track and they're timing him. And then they switch over to Rocky like like uh, Jeff said when he's running around up and down snow. And then they switch back and show him in a gym. Right. And then eventually it culminates. And then and again Adrian who wasn't supportive in the beginning. And then she steps back in and she shows up in Russia and gives gives up Rocky that extra oomph he needs, which he's he's always needing from Adrian. It's the whole reason she's in these movies is that she's his his other half, his yin to his yang. And when once every movie, once she throws in her hat and supports him, that's when it jumps up a notch and you get a montage. The great thing here, Dad, now I just want to point this out about Rocky Four. To me, my favorite part of Rocky Four are the montages. There are so many montages throughout the Rocky series, but they culminate with just the greatest blend of movie and montage in Rocky Four. Yeah, because they keep reflecting back to one and two of the 
of the montage and they bring it in just to, at the right time. I started looking up Rocky Four montages because I knew we were going to be talking Rocky Four today and I just wanted to be again familiar and that psyched about it. So I looked up the montages and I found in that movie that there is 39.1% of that movie, Rocky Four, is montage. 50% of the whole second half is montages. And and they, he only actually fought in the picture for like 10 minutes. There's the scene where he's he's montaging, he's training, and he's doing everything he can. What we just discussed, he's running up the mountains and he's lifting rocks and he's doing everything he can. And then he shows up and then Adrian shows up and she supports him. And there's about 15 seconds of dialogue where he says, no matter what, she's there to support him, no matter what. He repeats, no matter what, no matter what. And then boom, it goes right into another montage. And that montage amps it up even more with now Adrian's there and she's there watching him train and he's training his ass off. And then finally it culminates to right when that montage ends, final battle, Ivan Drago versus Rocky. And I read that even in, in that final scene, Dad, where they're fighting and they're blow to blow and they're throwing fists and throwing fists and Rocky is punching his way through the Cold War, for the American people, Dad, I believe Rocky was fighting for everyone, everyone in this country at that time, because the Cold War was happening. And Rocky single-handedly punched us out of that Cold War, Dad. Do you, you agree with that? Yeah, because he said if, uh, if the United States and Russia, if, if them two can get along, and then he says, I'm sure everyone can get along between Russia and the United States, because he said if they can do it, uh, we all can do it. If them two men in the ring going blow to blow and throwing everything they have at each other and they can still come to a mutual understanding and they can still get along, that anybody in this planet can still get along and single-handedly turned Russia into fans of America, Dad. They started chanting Rocky's name Yeah. at that point. And yeah, they, because when he first come out, everybody like booed him and they, were, they weren't throwing stuff at him, but you can tell nobody nobody wanted him there you know that whole the uh his whole speech he gives at the end you know the, the the rocky speech that he gives there at the end yeah that whole thing was improvised by sylvester stallone at that moment in that stadium oh he, he did it off the top of his head yep the whole thing was improvised oh, he, he just said he knew he wanted to do some kind of good great closing speech and that's when he came up with the speech oh so that wasn't in uh in the in the, in the dialogue in the script nope. no actually sylvester stallone wrote every rocky movie one through six every one of them was written by stallone and directed by stallone except rocky one and rocky five are both directed by a different gentleman but all of them were written by sylvester stallone rock or rocky four especially written and directed by stallone the actual movie he wanted to be three hours long rocky four ended up being three hours long and they made him cut it down and he cut it down to an hour and a half, which it actually, at that point, is the shortest Rocky movie made. Most of them are two hours. This one was an hour and a half, but he was able to condense, when he took out that extra 90 minutes, he was able to condense that down because of all the montages in this movie. Yeah, but there still was a lot of montages at just at the right time. Yep, and all that, but that's... I, I mean, you can't even tell it was cut down. It was still a great movie. Yep, you got all the... Through all the montages, you were able to get all the information that he had to cut out of the, not the, the extra 90 minutes he had to take out of that movie to get it down to under two hours. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's so many montages. Great movie. It's great Rocky. Uh, I, I believe it's single-handedly the best one. Yep, uh, I think both of us agree that it, it was 
a, a great uh, movie out of all six of them. Yeah, we both liked it. But uh, as far as we go on here, Dad, for uh, for so much Jeff and Iran, what do you think uh, possibly coming up? We're going to do one of these episodes a month. You agree with that? Is one a good? Yeah, I like that. It sure does. One a month. We'll discuss. We'll have a light discussion between Jeff and Iran about different different things from history, mysteries, and movies. Uh, anything in the future you're thinking about discussing, Dad, for a history, mystery, movie? Maybe anything you throw out there I can make notes about, something to look into? Anybody specific you like to see in movies? Anything like that? Well, I like a lot of characters. I don't know if I can decide on one like Steven Seagal, Van Damme, uh, Jason Stratham, uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, any of those. I'd watch the movies. All right, well, stay tuned. If you watch any type of those movies, Dad, just break down where you watch it on Hulu, YouTube, TV. Have a brief discussion next episode about it. Probably do one of these, like I said, a month with so much energy. Like to say thanks to Jen and so much energy for giving us a chance to bring you so much Jeff and Iran. Go to so much click on the membership tab. You can get the shirt that my that Ron and I are wearing right now that say so much Jeff and Iran. And it has a picture of a UFO and pulling it up in its tractor beam. Dad, what's pulling up right there in the tractor beam on the UFO? Bigfoot. What's and, over here? And uh, ET. Nope, that's a movie camera, Dad. But it oh, it is. Now that you say ET, I could see that, but it's actually a UFO sucking up Bigfoot and a movie camera. Uh, these are shirts that were made to us by FogDogStore.com. F O G D A W G Store.com. What? What are you laughing at? That, that camera does look like ET. It's got the big head. I know. I didn't even think that until you it, pointed it out. But that's the, hilarious. It's got the legs coming out, coming out the bottom. <laughs> All he's missing is his eyes. <laughs> Oh, nice. To real quick say that the money that, you know, we're trying to get for So Much Genergy that, you know, is to help Jen and myself for advertising for the So Much Genergy podcast. We'd like to advertise it on different platforms to different people and try to get more listeners to the So Much Genergy podcast. SoMuchGenergy.com. All right, Dad. For so Much Jeff and Ron, I am Jeff. I'm Ron. Thank you for listening. Thanks to So Much Genergy. See you next month. Bye. Mm-hmm.